1: It's a very sad day.
2: It is a very, very sad day.
1: Why is it a sad day, Charles?
2: It's a sad day because Ben is leaving, aren't you, Ben? Bye. Bye, bye, Ben. Uh, it's ben quite... has been
1: such an amazing. Ben is such an amazingly talented and gifted producer that it is a miracle we've managed to hang on to him this far. I mean, it
2: was always you who thought he was such a brilliant producer, uh, and I was happy because you were happy. Yeah. <laughs> I worry about talking about him too much because there's a story in the papers this very morning. Not that I want to get on with the podcast because Ben can do what he wants and I don't care. Uh, But there's a story in the the actual papers this morning about Ken Bruce famously leaving Radio 2 and he's going to Greatest Hits Channel, something like that. And the BBC, he was meant to see out his contract, but the BBC have just thrown him out Mm. so that he can't promote himself uh, and his new show. So I'm a bit wary of talking about uh, how Ben is moving to Cardiff to become... What is it, Director General of the BBC? Something like that. Well that uh,
1: Richard's going, isn't he? So probably, Richard Sharp. Yeah. They're getting rid of him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, So
2: no, he's the he's like the chairman of the BBC.
1: There are about nineteen different presidents, co presidents. But it's only
2: presidents. about four hundred grand and I'm not sure Ben could live on that.
1: Yeah, it's true. Not now. <laughs> not
2: now. Not now. Not now. Not now he's got a baby and everything. Yeah, no, first he had a child which definitely deflected his attention because previously We were his babies. (laughs) Now he's got a child. He's moving to Cardiff. He's working for the BBC. He's all grown up. It's really sad. We're going to get a new producer next week.
1: Who I'm sure will be absolutely brilliant. But you will obviously give them hell for about six months. Yeah, they will
2: record the thing and we'll apologise on air for it having been poorly edited. I like the bit when he literally takes one of us out of a sort of thing. Sometimes there's a bit when you're talking and I know I interrupted, but it's not there in the podcast.
1: Ben is incredibly good at seamlessly erasing us from history when we've said something stupid or rude.
2: But he's also a little bit sort of millennial. Every time I say anything remotely controversially, hoiked out, anything just...
1: Just that Ben is becoming more right-wing, though. He, he is because it's oh, all no. this exposure to us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> just slightly get into the podcast. whereas this new person with a bit of luck? Will be some grizzled old Tory Yeah. Uh, who will let me sort of. Just,
1: oh no, that we will allow us to be hoisted by our own petard. Speaking of racism and being hoisted by your own petard, do you want to talk about Brexit? Ugh. And the Northern is that I- racist? Well, it has it has sort of adjacent racist. Or do you have effects,
2: a racist opinion about it?
1: No, I don't have. I have very few opinions about Brexit actually. But there is a lot of Brexit in the news. There is other stuff, but there's a lot of Brexit in the news at the moment. And obviously, you don't. Nobody wants to hear what you think about the Northern Ireland Protocol, mostly because you don't know what it is. You
2: see, I don't think anybody knows what it is. Yes. They this see, yeah. I'm very aware, it's amazing that you've brought up the thing, I and mean, we could, normally we would say, just for clarity, this is the week when Rishi Sunak signed the new Brexit deal with Ursula von der Leyen, yep. and the King, apparently, I like don't apparently know what he, he was, was involved there, somehow, doing yeah, there. Exactly. I don't know what that, but he was there, um, and now we're going to talk about other stuff. Yeah. But sort of, we could, I mean, we could. It's well, a- I
1: don't think you really want to talk about the Northern Lion Protocol, because it not very funny. Because no, because
2: I. It's, you know. It's they've done this great thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Okay. Uh, and it's like yeah. you can. I. I. Skimming through, I can. You can now send parcels to people in Northern Ireland without anyone opening to check what mm-hmm. they are. That they don't contain salmon or bombs or whatever it is. The, I don't <laughs> know what the big issue is. And it's so that you don't have a. You do have a porous border between the EU and. The, is that. Is it and is the is the Northern Ireland Protocol a good thing or a bad thing? Have they got rid of it or reinforced it? And yeah. was it the DUP or whoever the opposite is who didn't want to have the thing before and why is it okay now?
1: Okay. Very, very briefly. A customs or what is often referred to as a hard border between the Republic of Ireland, ROI, and Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland. Getting rid of of the customs and trade and general kind of militarily policed border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland in the 90s when the EU came in was one of the reasons why the Good Friday Agreement happened. In the Good Friday Agreement, Mo Mollum, God bless her soul, um, she was to... I once to- smoked
2: a joint with Mo Molum. Did you? Yeah, at the Blackpool Labour Conference in nine. 1995? You
1: smoked a joint with Mo Molem.
2: Yeah.
1: That's amazing. Was she was she unwell at the time or was it just a recreation? She <laughs> didn't have
2: to be unwell to have it to have me come back to your room for a joint. I mean there were lots of other people there. It wasn't a massive thing for her, I don't think.
1: Right, okay. Yeah. Um She's not she's not sitting up in heaven going, I want to smoked a to joint with Charles. I think. right, you're out. So Mo Molum... Was I put
2: that in there. to make this very boring thing more interesting. It's,
1: look, do you want me to go on or not? No,
2: not really. Okay, I mean, or do you really understand it? Look, yeah, I what, really understand what they've it. done this. What they've done is they've made it okay with everybody, right? Apart from the DUP. Exactly. Why are the DUP not happy? Well,
1: because the DUP aren't happy with anything. Ian
2: Paisley Junior is not happy. It's mostly because they keep calling him Ian Paisley Junior, <laughs> and there's something like me being called Alan Corran Junior. Come yeah. on, at some point, just call me Ian Paisley. Mm-hmm. He's not happy, and but it doesn't matter because the DUP don't. The, the Tories I was going to say we the Tories have a majority mm. without the DUP now mm. so they don't matter as much as they did when Theresa May was around still don't know why the King went I know why Ian Pacey Jr. wasn't happy it's because they really love the King in Northern Ireland
1: yes and he some thinks some of them do he... there are no, okay there.
2: fine but the but like the
1: general consensus is that we are British right and we love the King
2: no but yes but the, yes. But the Protestants in Northern Ireland they're the ones who are into the Union right yeah. So they think that Rishi took the king along to make them okay with a deal which wasn't good enough for them for some reason that I don't quite know. And are we still waiting to find out what Boris thinks, I think, aren't we?
1: Oh, God, let's not get Boris involved. I, I mean,
2: noticed in other news that a, uh, an artificial intelligence bot has made
1: beer. It's made beer from, from what? Well,
2: it's quite boring. They just... I, I thought that an AI had got so advanced in the last weeks we, that it's made itself beer and started drinking lager. But uh, by the <laughs> that's way, told, one way to get rid of AI. This is me just deflecting attention because Northern Ireland, I just could Unless you had more...
1: No, I've got lots more. But Have you thing,
2: literally written down the whole?
1: Yeah, I've written down the whole history proper homework. Of, on. Yeah, I've done. I've totally, totally done my homework. I thought you were going to ask me why it matters, why Northern Ireland matters so much. Well, why does
2: Northern Ireland matter so much? Well,
1: Northern Ireland matters so much because, I, I mean, this is a conceptual thing. I think. I think it's basically our one remaining overseas territory, pretty much. And so we've got to keep... Do you know what the population of Northern Ireland is?
2: Okay, it's not an overseas territory. It's part of Great Britain. It's part of the United Kingdom.
1: Yes, so is Canada and Australia. No, but... No, I, I, I no darling, do they're really <laughs>
2: not part of the United Kingdom. For fuck me. I think you need Who? to do some... You know on Wikipedia with the blue links? You need to start hitting yeah. ones that say the United Kingdom. No, is I know. That,
1: look, no. I, know, I know, I know, I know. But, but do you know... But look, 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 do you know how many people there are in Northern Ireland? What's the population of Northern Ireland? <sighs>
2: 975,000.
1: Not bad. It's 1.8 million. What is the population of Manchester?
2: 975,000.
1: 2.7 million. okay, not very many people living in Northern Ireland, but they belong to us. They are ours. They are British They citizens. don't belong to
2: us. Yes, they do. No, they are British. They
1: are British. No, they are British. They and are some of them would ours. rather be
2: Irish, okay? That's the thing with them.
1: Yeah, you, you don't... You literally... Your your ignorance about the whole no, of Ireland... But it's Ireland not an overseas is,
2: territory. It's, like, massively not. It's like... Yeah, like, it's a, it's sea so is the hebrides
1: are they not no no no
2: and also the isle of Wight, um jersey jersey's more complicated anyway listen
1: basically it matters because northern ireland has to matter to us because they are british even though there are only 1.8 million people and also
2: by saying that it's an overseas territory we would have calmed (laughs) everything down (laughs) Wow. The sure, new podcast. To the us. new podcast. No, no, no but listen, gonna... okay,
1: okay, fine, fine, okay. Look, look, let's leave the normal mind thing behind and talk more about AI beer. Okay, fine, yeah. It
2: was just a nib.
1: It's Charlotte Wheeler. I'll be back in a sec. Charlotte Wheeler? Yeah, I
2: know. How funny, what the daughter of the late Stuart Wheeler, um, who literally made Brexit happen all on his own. That's quite interesting timing. Just a note to new listeners. Um Often the doorbell rings and Esther goes to the door. It's usually parcels, but on this occasion, it's Charlotte Wheeler. And now that's amazing. I was just telling the listeners, Esther, are you coming back or not? Who knows, darling? What's going on? I need your ring. Oh, what Charlotte want?
1: Uh, she's borrowing one of Kitty's uh, Olympians books.
2: The, what ahead. an irony that the daughter of the person who basically single-handedly brought about Brexit rang on, on your doorbell at that point. Did he? What do you mean? Did he?
1: Well, no. I think there was other people involved. I think David Cameron was, it was Stuart's talking. idea, though. Was it? Stuart funded UKIP. If it hadn't been for UKIP,
2: there would have been no Brexit. There mm. wouldn't have been the pressure on the Tory party. Yeah, hey, I
1: forgot about those guys.
2: Stuart, Stuart withdrew his support. Oh yes, from I remember David that. Cameron's oh, Tory government, God, and vicious. gave five million pounds to UKIP, which led to Cameron having to basically have a referendum, which led to Brexit. Right. Whose daughter just came to the front door? Oh. There'll be more from Esther and me in our kitchen after a short interlude. But to find out what I wrote about in the end, why not pick up a subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times and enjoy one month absolutely free. Just search the times.co.uk forward slash Giles Corrin has no idea. I've been promised that this will take you to an amazing offer rather than just a website created by Ben randomly containing all my broadcasting mistakes. Although I'm sure that exists somewhere. It's just going to be up to you to find it.
1: cat obesity daily mail today page seven if you want to miss out everything completely and just do um can you pass me it's so funny
2: watching you look for the daily
1: mail yeah oh
2: just wanted to say
1: you, if this is about Kate middleton being fit i'm not interested i've right? just
2: written item number six on my list to talk about his hot case on an yeah, exercise I bike mean, No. Yeah, okay
1: daily mail today page seven cats face an obesity crisis and owners get the blame it looks like the cats really did get the cream, as obesity is now their second most common health complaint. What's their first most
2: common What an intro, by the way. Who's written that? It looks like the cat really got the cream. Yeah,
1: Victoria Allen. Although she wouldn't have written it. Some, some jumped up sub would have stuck that one on the yeah. top. Um, exactly. Indulgent owners may to be too quick to reach for the treats while not devoting enough time to playing with their pets for exercise. The most common illness diagnosed by vets in cats was gum disease. Yep, cats, bad teeth, bad kidneys. That's what they not call our
2: cats. Not Iris. our cats. Iris. Iris. I'm- Oh, yes, oh, well. talking about you.
1: Um, so uh, yeah, so uh, a Weight Watchers meeting and everyone's a cat.
2: <laughs> right? No. So look, there isn't a. You know, there's a there's a type two diabetes story in the paper today, which is about uh, it's another the government plan. There's, there's been a there's been a NHS uh, sort of. Um, anti-diabetes program f- giving people Fitbits yeah. uh, and getting people's weight down and they've managed to lower the incidence of di- type 2 diabetes a little bit across the population and it's a really great thing. Some people are saying That, it's that a-
1: almost never works. That's very impressive. Yeah, it That's is impressive. Works. And some
2: people are saying this is a bad thing for spending taxes on and all that uh, when, whereas you should just be locking up fat people or whatever. But in fact, yeah. I think it's a really good thing. It's a, it's like a little bit of Movement has been made on it, so one could t- tie that into a cat obesity story. Plus,
1: this a very, very alarming. I always find these news stories really alarming when it says an 11 minute brisk walk a day will prevent one in ten early deaths. And oh, think- I thought
2: you were going to say in cat.
1: catch no, well, I mean it's all. I mean, the way to
2: combat obesity is by jumping up onto roofs and meowing a lot. <laughs> Uh, exactly. And
1: singing late at night on the fence and having flower pots thrown. Running along
2: the tops of fences and chasing mice.
1: Yeah, or chasing lights.
2: Chase a mouse for seven minutes a day and yes. you could bring down your BMI.
1: Exactly. But you think. Who also, would...
2: living only on mice would be. As... Living
1: exclusively on mice, yeah. yes, exactly.
2: Cats would be thinner, so would people. But it does, because it's come down from the sort of five minute, to the 10,000 steps, it's okay yeah. if you do 5,000. To two, because if you set the bar too high, yeah. then overweight people think, I can't manage that.
1: Exactly. It's a bit like the uh, flossing, hygienist flossing principle. Yeah. You say you have to floss your teeth every single day, no one will do it. But if you say, just floss them when you can, you might do it once a week.
2: Although when I went last went to the hygienist, mm. um, she said, oh, they look fine. And I hadn't flossed at all, so I'm never going to again
1: but I, I wouldn't bother if I were you. No. Okay, so cat fat cats you could do that. Oh my god. I can't believe they didn't use the word fat cat in the in the headline. That's that's throwing it away. Actually no, actually this is a thing that you actually might do, okay? So you will be familiar with the story of Michelle Saran who lost his Michelin star this week.
2: I'd never heard of him. I see yeah. that some Michelin's are out in France, and some people are losing stars. Yeah. So what
1: they're doing now? So what the Michelin Guide decided oh, to didn't do? Didn't Paul
2: Bocuse yeah. lose one? Or someone? I think he might be dead. So uh, someone really famous. But yeah, Michel okay. Sarin. But before that, I think some. I think Bocuse might have lost one. But someone really famous did. Yeah. Okay.
1: So what they've done? Um, I'll just grab the. Uh, I'll just grab a story which I think is today in the. Um, today, uh, alongside your love letter to your boyfriend Tom Parker Bowles in T2. so it's in the uh, it's in the world thing hang on a second Um, the Michelin Guide decided in advance of the release of the new guide they announce in a special press release who's lost their star first Michelin stars are of course faintly bullshit Mm -hmm. but they really do matter to these people Mm -hmm. and I think it's just I think this has got to I think you've got to call for the end of the Michelin Guide this is also the week in which Forest Store, the former editor of Elle, writes what a horrible time she had at Noma.
2: Yeah, that was a good piece.
1: Which was a good piece. And actually, I didn't have a, that horrible a time at the French Laundry, but it was a you know, it was an ordeal. And I wonder how good a time you actually did have at El Bully that last time you went.
2: Uh, well, when I went with my brother-in-law, Xander Armstrong, off pointless, and at course number 22 out of 55, he had to say, I'm terribly sorry, Jolly, I think I'm going to have to puke. Yeah, uh, you, and you both it, puke. I didn't puke? Fuck off. <laughs> the one, one skill I have is that I can eat 55 courses of utter horse shit and not mm. throw up.
1: You you do have the stomach of a fox, it's yeah. true.
2: If I ate the stomach of a fox, I would keep it down. Ugh. Um, uh, Xander went off to, to vomit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know? Okay, that might be interesting. Um, can I point out we're doing the shittest podcast we've ever done on Ben's last one, aren't what do we? You ben, mean?
1: it's hilarious. Do you think? It's, uh, it's
2: rubbish. It's fucking Northern Ireland. Is he? Of course he is. Ben's He's leaving. It, yeah. He's <laughs> enjoy, he'd enjoy it if we just sat here lighting our farts. Is
1: D Mob happy? We can do
0: that. if you Yeah, know,
2: it's ben. funnier than some of this talk. Okay. But look, no, okay. So, the, so, but you, you've also have. I mean, obviously, the, the losing of the. Sorry, so the losing of the Michelin stars, Bernard Loiseau famously killed himself. You don't have to look down for his name. He's he? been long dead. And that is p- part of the problem they have there is it's interesting. There is a story in the papers today about my dear troubled friend, Heston Blumenthal, uh, who has lost his contract with Waitrose after 12 years. It's fine. Twelve years is a long time That's to do anything with anyone. Yeah. They're saying that some of his crazier banana and bacon souffles or whatever Trifle, were, yeah. were trifles were not. are uh, not, not having much. We're not having much traction in the supermarket aisles. He said, "Oh, they couldn't cope with my unpredictability." Now, unpredictability in anybody. We all know what that means. is a bit of a euphemism for some of the woes that Heston has undergone lately. The stresses of trying to keep a third Michelin star. All that business of mm-hmm. being touted as a genius and the stuff that in your personal life that becomes difficult. Oh my God. Will think yeah. Heston in the middle. Who am I? Am mm-hmm. I like little Heston from 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 Marlow, wherever the fuck he's from, the, the yeah. Thames Valley? Who's just like quite a good cook and doing well, or am I a crazed boffin, mm-hmm. Einstein-like genius? Oh my god, how do I measure up? These are the feelings they have. And the point is, is it, yes, in just just saying that Michelin is no longer relevant is, is not that interesting from from a food writer. But to say fine dining's got to stop, yeah, in a week when Heston, we finally accepted that Heston, nobody wants. Uh, a banana. bacon and banana trifle, yeah. uh, and in a, in a, in a week when they they're now trying to get publicity, I guess, because they now realise that giving a new star is not as big a story as taking one away. Because I no- mean, they
1: have been very mealy mouthed about it. They say that they they put this press release out in advance of the new Michelin guide so that the people, so that the ones who have got their star yeah can, they can concentrate on that, and it's not it's not it's not a distraction to the story. I say this is just the kind of it's just this fucking sir I think
2: we' work up ahead of steam here because Farristor went along and she'd been looking forward to going to Noma and i she she said, should I pretend to like this because that's what everyone does yeah. it's a conspiracy, it's all shit. I am culpable in having written about Noma and said it was great. I can now reveal when I didn't like it, as you know. Oh, this is shit, but I'd got no, no, all that... No, no,
1: no, 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 You don't tell lies in journalism, in your journalism. Um, and you don't say something is good when it's not. You came back from Noma saying that it was amazing. And it was only later when Rene Roseppe was very mean about you. You're
2: you- quite right. I did like Noma. You came
1: back going, oh my God, oh my God, with like, fucking hearts and stars tweeting around your head.
2: And then he gave an interview to... And New, then to Eater magazine yeah. in New York, saying that I was like the worst person he'd ever met. Yeah. Like, horrible he's a horrible, horrible little man. I was going to do his accent, but I can't remember. What is I it? don't know where what he's. What does from? a Swede sound who like? Norwegian over the time, René He's I mean. not.
1: Um, so basically I think I think it's gotta be because you know, who cares what you say about the Michelin guy? Just end Michelin. No, end Michelin
2: find food, end that nonsense, end the Michelin Guide, end Noma. Farah had a crap time at Noma. It is all rubbish. The time has come to actually say it's got to stop. In this cost of living crisis, there is a massive boom, weirdly, of omakase restaurants, which is, uh, you know, which is the Japanese sit and just be fed without really knowing what it is. Um, and, you know, everyone, you know, you, you have to pay... 350 pounds per head up front right. then sit there in silence when the food is put in front of you and there's five or six of them have opened recently in London who who can afford them it's not it's not right this massive conspiracy a, a, a restaurant critic uh, uh, a friend of mine um, in fact I can say who it is it's fine Grace Dent, uh, who's the who's the, uh, the Guardian restaurant critic I emailed her for uh, about a restaurant that she liked which was a kind of like sitting up sitting up and having fun at the at the bar Spanish type of place. And I wanted to take a friend there. Did you really like it as much as you said? Uh, just to check. And she said, yeah, absolutely. I did. It's really great. But possibly I liked it so much because of the thin pickings around at the moment because they actually fed me. It wasn't just fucking celeriac 15 ways. And she's right. That's what happens now. You go to a restaurant, they yeah. go, they've extrapolated, the little tiny, one after the other. Mm. And I know that most of my readers, even when I like those things, yeah. they go, what is this posh wank? You yeah. know, nobody eats like that.
1: I mean, in this piece about the Michelin downgrades they describe all the chefs and what they're sort of famous for. And there's this Guy Savoy.
2: Guy Savoy. Guy
1: Savoy. Savoy. S-A-V-O-Y. Guy Savoy. Guy Savoy. Guy Savoy. Guy Savoy. But it's S-A-V-O-Y.
2: Oh, ma oui, ça se prononce Guy Savoy.
1: Guy Savoy, Français quoi. whose restaurant in Paris, excuse me, has had three stars since 2002.
2: That's Received. a Michelin starred phlegm right there.
1: Received a phone call to say that he would get two stars in the latest. I mean, can you imagine?
2: Sorry, have you just. Sorry, I was so distracted by your gargling. Yeah. You're saying that Guy Savoy is the guy I'm looking at. The, I kept saying Bocuse, but Guy Savoy is the super famous French guy who's just lost. Yeah? You tell me. <laughs> loads, He's, su- yeah, Guy Savoy. Oh, my alarm's gone off. I think that means that just that's where time I'm. Time
1: to be mean to Esther.
2: <laughs> I was mean just before it went off. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, It reminds you that the. Ooh, what? segue yeah, what? is to remind me that the car's charging Okay. and to not leave it on the charge point too long and have okay. to pay the waiting it's charges. The Yeah. Because I think we've said enough about this boring food story, right? Give me this story. I love this story. So there
1: are two stories. This two story's th-
2: a bit spurious.
1: Well, the Scott Mills story. Or the I don't L- know who st- Scott Mills is. Some DJ. Yeah, Scott Mills is the DJ. Yeah. And he and his boyfriend, husband, were going to go for a weekend to Amsterdam but they couldn't go because they were locked inside their electric <laughs> car outside, it is funny, outside Wogan House, outside BBC's Wogan House for five hours. Although it's not as bad as it sounds because the back window was open. OK, so
2: in this story, that I thought, OK, fine, this is funny because below the line and that where there are lots of people sort of saying there's a number of things wrong with the story. OK, first of all, I assumed it, first of all, so we were locked in our electric car and we know that our electric car failed The day before New Year's Eve, we had to walk across muddy fields, leaving the car behind. It was stone dead. Children
1: crying, yeah. But
2: all cars have inside their electric key, there is a real key. I'm saying that. Look, here is my BMW i3 key. My -hmm. guess is, look, that is the sound of the manual key inside the electric key, which is inside all electric keys, which you can just open the door manually. So Scott Mills and his partner Sam sat there for five hours, apparently, because they didn't know that inside their key, mm. was a, there's a bit of not reading the manual there. I mm-hmm. think, Scott. Coming from yeah. the
1: man who never reads the manual. Now you might
2: funny. well say, but you can't use the key. Fuck off! Did you? Sorry, I was so busy on my rolls. Was there a dig? No. I saw Ben smile. He did that. Esther's just been mean about Giles. Smile. My I'm friend. looking forward to our new producer.
1: An alarm went off, telling to, tell me to been mean to you. Yeah. So he. So the, and also the back window is open. Okay. He so so
2: you wouldn't be able to use the key from the, from inside. the inside, but yeah. he said that the the back window was open, so Sam was able to get out and go for a wee or something. Yeah. And it's like. The idea that you're trapped, it was, it was not in a muddy field at three in the morning. Yeah. It was in W1. It was off, off Great Portland Street mm-hmm. in the afternoon. And people just went by. And I, I know from Wogan House, there's all, you know, there's all those autograph hunters who all stand there waiting to try and get signatures of people like Scott Mills and not me. But um, they are all waving at him through the window. He, he, he wasn't really stuck in the car. He just wants to get in the paper, I think.
1: Oh, that's fair enough. All I, he had to he do was, was get, and he if he was to... too
2: fat, then Sam only had to get out, do the, you know, get, get, get the, the manual key out of his, uh, out of the key like this. Do you hear that tummy rumbling?
1: Yes, that, that was very loud. Would that be
2: picked up on the mic? That was my, that's me not having. That's your sixteen-eight fast right there. Yeah, I'm so Around. hungry. I'm so
1: absolutely. So yeah, I mean, so like down with
2: electric cars. But Scott, you're a doofus.
1: Um, I
2: have this idea I had yes uh, did you see that yesterday there was a story that said the, the weather forecasters are going to go on strike yes they think it'll be Thursday but it'll probably end up being Friday or Saturday <laughs> yes. oh actually so we have. <laughs> the joke of the century <laughs> yeah, a, yeah it's predicted the weather forecasters will go on strike but it's so they won't so yeah so no leaving aside that joke which just came to me and I'm really really happy with and therefore will write the column in order to make that joke yeah um Show what a good producer you are, Ben, by turning that batshit rambling into a serious podcast this week.
1: Should we bang Ben out?
2: Yeah, but we do it differently, don't we? You go. No, because you, you think it's like that, yes, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. What is it? It's not. I asked all the people at the paper, and it's not. It's like that. Oh, right. They bang him out. Should we bang Ben out? Bye bye, bye Ben. ben. You've been listening to Giles Corran Has No Idea with me, Giles Corran.
1: And me, Esther Walker.
2: You can listen to us on the Times Radio app or download from wherever you get your podcasts.